Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm here with Tom Evangelides. Is that correct, this pronunciation? That's a good pronunciation. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Tom, welcome to Melbourne. You're based in Sydney, and you run the Black Eye Gallery in Darlinghurst, and a pretty impressive gallery Thank you. to boot. So welcome to the show. Just a bit of background before we start getting into your work, Tom. How did you get interested in photography? Because you started in fashion photography originally. Is that correct? You yeah, self-taught? I mean, mo most, most males, when they start photography, do it for one or two reasons, to pick up girls and to pick up girls. <laughs> so we, everyone tends to start in fashion photography because that's where the, the glamorous jobs are. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I started when I was in London in 1990. And I was testing, you know, models that have been in Chanel campaigns for modeling agencies and thinking this is great. And I did my first cover at 21 and I thought, wow, I'm going to be a, this cover for which magazine. Tom? Oh, it was like a, a low end magazine, but you yeah. know, a, a difference of England is there's lots of magazines. It's where somewhere like Australia, you've got top photographers shooting Dolly and things like that. Yeah. So, but over there, there's a lot of places to start. So everything was going good, and then my brother got married, and I had to come back to Australia. And when I got back, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to really kill it here, because I've got all these great models and all that. And it's the exact opposite. I mean, I found I really struggled here. So that's when I started mm -hmm. shooting other other subjects. Mm -hmm. um, my first architecture photo I shot when I was living in Prague in 1998. And what was it about Prague that... I, my girlfriend at the time was working at Elle magazine as a designer, mm -hmm. and um, my original intention was to shoot you know, beautiful buildings in Prague. And when I arrived in Prague, um, I'd get to a building and I'd see the garbage cans and the cars parked on the footpath and things falling off. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to get these beautiful photos of buildings. And and then I sort of thought, well... well I'm you, just, you thought you'd have to style them or remove well, them? Well, I, I just kind of thought it would be, like, um, perfect. Everything would be like the postcards. And, you know, you see shots of Prague and it's always sunny and dazzling and the light's beautiful and it's nothing like that it was gray every day and that's when i sort of took it upon myself it's kind of like an anti-travel photography where <laughs> this is the building i'm shooting it warts and all um i'm just presenting the building as it is on the worst day of the year so essentially that experience has resulted in this wonderful large coffee table book I can call it a coffee table book. Yeah, yeah. It, and full of amazing images of Eastern Europe, of buildings that are quite dishevelled. You know, they're quite honest. They're not tricked up. They're quite... They've also got quite an interesting um, humorous backstory. For instance, you've got one building in the book um, where you show the facade, which is quite ornate, and then the sides are really quite stripped back. Um, so it is actually telling the story of these wonderful buildings, but in a different way. And they're not, as you said, it's not like fashion where you kind of glam things up. These are actually the way you see it. I mean, the way most people, reasons why people ship buildings is one, a commercial usage. So it's a company that's done a new building and they want it to look beautiful. Um, the next would be sort of a council documentation, but I'm sort of like an architectural journalist where I'm thinking, okay, well, I want to shoot this building in a way that they would have maybe would have shot it a hundred years ago for large format mm -hmm. plate camera, um, presenting the building in the same way architects used to draw building sketches. It was always it was never a third dimension. It was always very flat. And some of them are really quite deconstructed. There's some that are just shelves. I mean, I'm looking at a building that looks like it's almost going to fall apart. I mean, that one is in Havana, and 
I mean, Havana is quite amazing because everyone told me before I went there, it's like, oh, one day the Americans will come in and they'll renovate everything. And the extent of renovation there isn't, isn't like a street or two. It's like basically mm. renovating a whole city. It, it won't happen in my lifetime. It's incredible, and you've got these amazing facades. And I mean, growing up in Australia, you're you know used to looking at real estate where agents go, "Oh, romantic balcony and that," and it's just nothing compared to what exists overseas. I mean, so, is it? It must be quite eerie walking through these buildings and around these buildings that almost look they're going to crumble. Well, when I arrived, moment. In, when I arrived in Havana, I arrived at um, six p.m. Night had just started, and it felt like I was walking through Berlin after the Second World War. Like it was just mm, incredible. It's hardly any street light, just rubble. Um, lots of like it, it just looked totally disheveled. I couldn't believe it. Mm. And these buildings, I mean, they haven't been touched since Castro came in in, in any form of renovation. So, so there's For been decades. no money. Well, it's since the fifties. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like that long, but if you think about absolutely no repair yeah. to a structure since the fifties. Um, so what what do you look for in a building? Because there's lots of very old, deconstructed faded buildings what kind of talks to you it's it's something that i suppose um there's a few things firstly i need it to satisfy me from a graphic nature mm-hmm. so it needs to be it needs to be i need to be able to get far away from it in order to shoot it in a particular style so i shoot in a very flat way um i always like to face the building as much as i can there's only very few images in the book that are from a, an angle um, and if they are, it's definitely to tell a story of, of that particular structure. Um, so, in, in, for instance, you know, that particular one there is in Bucharest and it's just a commercial building and it's a very straight up and down. I just like graphic. Early 20s? Yeah, and I just like graphic um, design in architecture. How does, Tom, how do the buildings and your years of fashion connect? I think it's, it's more of just an appreciation of, of beauty. You know, whether it's I, I'm into classic cars as well. I, I just really love turn of the century architecture. Um, it was, you know, they'll build at a time when there was no cost um, measuring. Uh, just uh, the ironwork, the windows, everything was just amazing. Uh, Bucharest, for instance, everyone goes on about St. Petersburg and Prague, but uh, Bucharest absolutely blew me away. The architecture there is stunning, and we're talking about people's houses, not just you know government buildings or you know. The other thing, Tom, with this book, it tends to be the facade exterior. Is it because it's difficult to access interiors, or is that just your interest? Well, I, I wanted to shoot a body of work that anyone could physically go and see. I mean, nothing here required any sort of permission, um, no special arrangements. It's just someone going for a walk, turning and facing a building, which a lot of people don't do, and maybe I wouldn't have done. But it's only when you sort of walk and face a building then you can really appreciate it. So my whole idea was to shoot everything so it's accessible for people to look at. Um, I, di- I didn't want it to be interiors. Because wanted... A, you had to have the permission problem. And then, as you said, then it's... You don't speak it's the language, language and people get all angsty when, you know, you yeah. take a camera in there. And from the street, it's, you know, everyone's domain. So... Um... How have you found it coming back to Australia? Because... It's a small place, let's face it. So how do you kind of spend most of your time? Well, I mean, I, I've never shot an architectural project in Australia. Um, I applied for a grant, you know, years ago, because in Sydney we had around 35 buildings that I felt needed to be documented. Which era? 
Oh, they were all mm. mostly turn of the century, of 30s, um, a couple of 50s ones. And um, I didn't get the grant and I sort of thought, well, you know, it, it takes mm. me a lot of time and money to shoot this way. Mm. Um, and I kind of thought, well, you know, I might as well go overseas and get a cultural experience as well. Mm -hmm. And in that time, 18 of those buildings are no longer here. And I, I've, I've made the wrong decision. I should have just shot it anyway. Mm -hmm. So I feel bad. And I know they haven't been shot by anyone. The thing is, you can't take it upon your shoulders to do all that work. Well, it's it's hard because, I mean, yeah. it's I can't just um, rock up and just do a photo of a building here and there. I've really, really got to immerse myself into the whole project. So when I go to a city, I spend a month in the city. I um, rent an apartment, and I, I walk down every street in that city. And I really do walk down every street in the city. So is that really to find out, to do ensure that you're getting the very best of the best. That's right. And, I mean, I try to do as little research as possible architecturally before I go somewhere because I really want to discover places. And this photo is in the book of famous buildings. And when I approach them, unless I feel I can do something different with them, I won't shoot it. So I've stood there on Red Square looking at St Basil's going, this is an amazing building, but I, I can't provide anything different to this shot, so I don't shoot it. I go and find a building that maybe no one else has shot down a side street, and I kind of think, well, I'm, this is what I'm proudest of. Okay. Um, Tom, it's interesting. You, you started up the uh, Black Eye Gallery in Darlinghurst. How many years ago was that? That was like a year and a half ago. So still fairly new, but it's a very unique gallery because you're really pushing the envelope. Yeah, I, I mean, think. I... Or I had just come back from East Timor. I also do other forms of photography, not just architecture. And I'd come back from East Timor doing a charity shoot of kids that live in rubbish dumps around the world, landfill sites. And um, so I had these amazing portraits of these um, kids from East Timor. And I really wanted to have a show. And I, I'm a bit of a wanker, so I don't really I want to show in a cafe or anything. I want the whole exhibition experience. And I think most photographers are like that. <laughs> Anyway, and I couldn't find a space to exhibit, and I started thinking, what's the point in me going away, spending all this time and money shooting if I can't come back and show it in some way? And for me, I, I, I've never sold a photo online. Well, people, for me, need an intimate connection with a bit of art. Um, and these photos of the children, not something I would have sold, but I really wanted to show them. And I couldn't find a space. I mean, a lot of the traditional galleries were booked up for two years ahead. Um, other spaces didn't have any infrastructure. So, and I imagine exhibiting as a photographer is quite a difficult. It's difficult and because it's, people say, "Who are you?" Yeah, it's well, it's it's your. Um, it's your gig. I mean, you know, you have bands that rehearse in rooms every week and eventually they want to do a gig. And if you're a photographer and you've got all these projects you're shooting, sure, you can do a website, but there's so much stuff on the web now that you almost need to make it real, put it in a, a gallery, and, and then you start to own that. Um, it's very hard um, if you're um, a photographer and you've come up with a unique idea. It doesn't matter when you did it. It's who shows it first and it's who gets it out there first. Um, Tom, it's interesting. We, we're obviously on the same wavelength because you've had a couple of... or one exhibition that I did a book on, uh, the photographer Robin Beach, who was an interesting uh, character, a really interesting photographer. When I, I discovered her years ago, I immediately felt this is someone quite extraordinary. Uh, for those who don't know Robin Beach, uh, there is a book out on Robin Beach. Um, by Stephen Crafty. By Stephen Crafty. <laughs> and she has exhibited and a number of leading galleries have her work. What did you... She was big in the late 70s, early 80s. What was it about her London work that resonated with you? I mean, I, I'd seen a, the movie about Robin on the ABC and um, 
I didn't know anything about her. Yeah, I knew some of her images from, I mean, I'm 46, so I'm yeah. the 80s of my time. So, and I'm thinking, wow, these images look familiar. I mean, she did the Visage cover, Fade to Grey, and that was obviously a very familiar image. And I'd never heard about her. And there she was, an Australian photographer, creating amazing stuff overseas. And I kind of just, I felt a little bit upset because I'd always heard about other photographers. I know Ken Duncan. I know these guys that do these landscape photos that I'd never, ever put up in my home. Yet I didn't know about someone that was doing cutting-edge stuff back in the 80s, yeah. you know, on a worldwide level. And then she just happened to be in the gallery one day and we started talking and she didn't even have an agent here. So we represent Robin now in Australia and um, we sell her work all over the world. I mean, she's and a she's lovely she's done lady. really well. Oh, she's her, starting to do really well. I mean, her, her work is totally unique in a pre-Photoshop world. I mean, it's mm-hmm. when I explain to people the process, that it, it just... Uh, For those who don't know the process, she actually hand-paints. She hand-painted models and it, it often took a day to actually get the model... This is before Photoshop and all the rest of it. What are, what are the things you look for when you're choosing photographers? For I think the uh, for me, every time I get a submission, I, I do a search internationally. I get on there and I try to find similar work overseas. And I need the work to stand up on an international marketplace. Because if I ever go and do LA Paris Photo or yeah. all these festivals, and I don't want to be like the little Australian gallery of the average work. I want people to stand back and go, wow, Australian photographer is yeah. actually producing amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we had a show by Gary Heary who shot Madonna's first album cover. I mean, that's an iconic image. Yeah. Um, we sold one for 15 grand, but I mean, that image one day will come up in Sotheby's and sell for $60,000, yeah. you know, and... He's an Australian photographer that lives a five-minute walk away. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very interested in Australian photographers that are producing internationally viable images. Um, Tom, do you think there's... What are the difficulties of being an, a photographer in Australia? I mean, because obviously if you're in Europe, you can travel much more freely. What do you think of the things you've found have set back your... I mean, for me personally, I'm more interested in shooting architecture for my artistic side, my work. Um... And for me, there's not a great deal of, you know, inspiration here. I mean, Australia really is suited to a landscape photographer wanting very bright colours. It's a different environment. Um, but then it's really up to the photographer. You have someone like um, Max Dupain who he didn't want to leave his backyard. He was happy to shoot. He only went once overseas. Um, that's when Harry Seidler um, demanded that he go and shoot the Australian Embassy in Paris. Um, he did that reluctantly. That's um, interesting. Yeah, he went overseas once in his life. He didn't even like going interstate. Now, he's Australia's you know, most famous photographer, yeah. definitely in architecture. Yeah. And he, I mean, I think he was quoted as saying, you know, what, why would I go overseas when I've got a, I can shoot in my backyard? So I'm the kind of opposite. I think, well, you want to get away. Well, I want to get away, and I want to, I want to, I want that feeling where I'm going into an environment that's a different world. You know, that sort of country boy going into the big city. I've never been to New York, so I'm hoping I get that experience there. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm a romantic, so I like putting myself in situations um, straight out of a film. <laughs> what are the projects on your radar? Um, I. When I finished shooting facade in 2008, I mean, there's a lot of places in the world to go to, and I'm always sort of doing research on places that have, like, an architectural mystique, or even just sound good, like Madagascar. Hmm. You know, yes, I'm going to go shoot Madagascar, and then I do some research, and I go, it's actually not a lot to shoot in Madagascar for me. So it's it's a never-ending thing of me trying to find places that haven't been overshot, 
um, that I feel I can do something different with that have an architectural mystique. So we won't discuss them on this show because I don't want people racing and beating oh, you. Oh, I don't have to. any competition here. <laughs> I'm the only idiot that would go over and carry a large format camera and put themselves in these situations. It's quite funny because people say to me, oh, you must, you must really love it. It must be so passionate. I was like... It's the hardest, most annoying thing to do. I get up at 6 a.m., I go to a building, there's a car parked on the footpath. I go and come back the next day. Um, it, it's the car's not, still there. It's the car's still there. I, it was in St. Petersburg, I had to go back to a building seven times at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning was the only time the car wasn't parked. It's unlike here, they park on the footpaths there. Yeah. It's not fun shooting. It's interesting, but it's hard, hard work. I'm carrying a very heavy camera. I don't have assistance or anything. And um, it's a total ball breaker. But the part I love is when I show the work. When I'm standing in a gallery, I've reproduced the building on a large scale. And it's only, even in the book, when I look at the book, it doesn't give me the feeling I had when I stood in front of the building. Sometimes I get a photo back and I'm thinking, why did I take that photo? Why did I waste time and money taking that photo? It's only when it's big on the wall. Oh, okay, that's why I took it. So I'm starting to get that feeling. That so I've stood in front of the building. I've I've stood there. What do you generally like to get out of a building? What is it? Oh, that... just I mean, it could be anything from color to the lines of a building to the design. Um, it could be a little doll in the window, you know, that I happened to notice and thought, oh, that's pretty quirky. In this one, it's um, there's a pink church and it has a little. Where is this, it, Tom? It's in St. Petersburg, um, and it's a little like it's a little kid's bike in the foreground. <laughs> very small and some of them there'll be a cat in the corner of the shot and i'll just think well this is i, lo I love seeing life with architecture um, i remember i think deep down i was inspired by there was an english artist that used to paint those scenes um of like people in the middle east praying next to a wall and there'd be this massive big architecture and these figures down the bottom of marketplaces and mm. i always like the relationship between architecture and people so it gives you that scale it gives you a scale but also it that shows humanity. that little bit of life um at that time and when you've got a building that's 100 years old and you've got plastic furniture in the foreground you know you can date that that shot do you generally try and get people out of shots? Or is no, it just... no, it's, I mean, the people that are there, I mean, I shoot all my photographs with just one photo, one sheet of film. I never, ever take two. Um, so timing's really crucial. And what's nice about working for large format is you never feel like you're imposing because people are standing in your shot and they're looking at you and they're thinking, what's this guy doing? He's got this big old wooden camera and you become the spectacle so it's, you're never pointing your lens in anyone's face so they end up going back to doing what they're doing and they're very relaxed so and i'm always looking at different parts of the building so they think i'm shooting a balcony at the top they don't realize they're in the image so you get a really natural um unthreatening look from the people and sometimes it's doing right at the camera. There's one image here it's quite exquisite it's very simple it's just a doorway the walls are faded, and you've got this lovely canopy of um, uh, vines just almost, you know, covering the doorway. Where's this, Tom? That was taken in Istanbul, and, and that is the back door to a little hall. I mean, this is one of the shots, you know, I, I would confidently say I'm the only photographer that's ever shot it because it's just, it's, a, it's down a little side street. It's nothing interesting about the location. But I, you know, I, I think it's a scene that could happen in any city and um, it just shows lack of uh, maintenance. And I love it's, that. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting because what you're picking up on in this book 
is I kind of think where architecture and design generally is heading and has been heading for the last few years, which is kind of imperfections, that I think people have kind of had enough of the very refined and glitzy and that people are actually wanting the human touch and it's been happening for a while. And I think that's what's interesting about these photos. Ah, they are very tactile and they're not perfect. They're actually celebrating the imperfections, mm. whether it's the faded walls or the cracked doorways. But it actually gives it personality and there's a sense of a past. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I love seeing the effects of time on architecture, um, how, how water has damaged a building and, um, you know, that image of an ex-nightclub, um, you know, people leaving signs up that have been there for the last 50 years, even though the business has well and truly left. And there is one image I'm looking at that is quite amusing, and I mentioned it previously. You've got this very ornate facade full of, you know, pediments and gargoyles and lions at the front, but you've shot it on the side. So really on the side of the building, it's just almost a brutalist building with concrete walls and a few very small windows. So it's that lovely juxtaposition between what's presented to the street and what's actually not really meant to be seen. I mean, that particular building, that was shot in North Hanoi, and I was I employed a little motorbike rider, and we, we scooted around. I say, take me to some interesting architecture. So we rode for two hours on the back of this little scooter, and my back was aching, and he took me to this little pagoda, a little sort of temple mm. that was like eight metres high, and I was, I was just like, no, this isn't what I want. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this, essentially what it is, it's an Italianate terrace, in the middle of nowhere. So it's three stories and each of the floors has probably got a five meter ceiling height. Um, and I kind of thought, why would someone build this three story terrace in the middle of nowhere? And I mean, the width is probably, you know, six meters, six meters at the most. And I, I just found it amazing. And I, I, I went to shoot it and the owner came out and through the translator and I asked him, why would you? And he said, uh, you know, the, Years ago, land tax was based on the width of a building, not on the length. So in Vietnam, you had these people making these very long, long places <laughs> that went very wide. And I kind of thought, okay, that makes sense. And then he said to me that with Vietnamese tradesmen, you don't ask them to build anything different. They know how to build one or two things, and that's the way you build it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that explains why he chose that. The funniest thing is when I was lining the camera up, I took two shots. I took one from the front and one from the side. When I was lining the camera up, I'm thinking, oh, there must be something off my camera, so I can't get this building straight. So I've got grid lines and things. And, and what we worked out, the building was built on an angle to the road. So even if there was another five terraces, it would end up hitting the road on an angle. So, I mean, it's just, it's a ludicrous. <laughs> and the funny thing about this building is it looks like it's 100 years old, but it's only 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So they're in Vietnam, they're reproducing the most amazing... Yeah terraces and houses that look like they're from long ago and they're just a few years old. Tom, I could talk endlessly to you about this book and also about the work that you're doing. I find it very fascinating, but I also, I love it when people support other photographers and creatives. So I think the Black Eye Gallery in Sydney is really a breath of fresh air. And I'm glad I just happened to mosey in a few months ago and go, wow. Um, so look, you've been with, um, thanks for coming on the show. You've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University, and you've been listening to Tom Evangelidis. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you.